0: Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 3rd, episode 2611, brought to you today by Stadeline Tech. Good morning, horse world.
3: It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show.
2: So true.
0: (laughs) It's my mission in life. That's what I do. I hassle you three days a week. Hey, our friend Susan Friedland of Saddle Seeks Horse, the blog, we've had her on a couple of times. She just published the 2021 list of equestrian Instagram accounts to follow. And I, this came up because one of our auditors asks, who do I follow on Instagram? Well, she came up with a list of 21 Instagram accounts, and one of them was hosts, one of our hosts here on Horses in the Morning, Tara Tibbetts, who does the fox hunting episode. She was on that list. I'll post that list in our show notes so you can find it, and uh, you can take a look at which Instagram accounts you should do. We have an Instagram account. We're not very good at it, um, and I'm not very good at it personally. So are you?
2: Uh, no, I don't do Instagram. I'm too old (laughs) too. I think
0: that's kind of a a 20, 30 year old age, isn't it? The kids don't do Instagram anymore either. Do they?
2: No, I I mean, I mean, Abby is on Instagram. That is her thing. And Joy from retired racehorse radio. She does a great job with her Instagram. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't do, I can't stare at my phone. I already started enough.
0: I know. (laughs) I know. I get it. Well, today on the show, we have Dr. Richard McMullen. He's going to chat with us about the horse's eyes. Our Black Rains guest is Fort Worth Drover Donald Lee. And we have President of the United States Eventing Association, Max Cochran, our friend, stopping by to chat about the cancellation of Land Rover, Kentucky. It's sort of canceled. That's why we're talking about it, because it's kind of confusing. It's not totally canceled, it's sort of canceled. So we're going to talk to Max about that in a little bit. But first, we have our Daily Whinnies. I have exciting news, Jamie. And the exciting news is for all of our Canadian friends. For years, I've been promising that we're going to have a Canada podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Well, guess what? Starting tomorrow, we will. Nikki and Nadine, uh, who you'll know more about here shortly, I can't say a lot. We'll have exciting news coming out and details coming out, but it's called the Canada Horse Podcast. It will be on the Horse Radio Network, and they're going to be talking about all things Horse Canada, kind of like... Horses in the morning, only not daily, and uh, I think it's going to be twice a month to start, uh, and they're just going to be talking to Canadian It's not horse horses in the morning, Canadian they're Canadian.
2: Horse... They're going to be so much nicer, nicer than Nicer, that's
0: right. We're mean. We're cruel.
2: Compared uh, to them, yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> but I'm very excited about that. We've, Canada's always been our number two listening audience, and we know we have a lot of listeners there, so you got something specific, special for you coming very shortly, and that's uh, one of the things I was hoping would happen 2021 and it's a positive bright spot uh to a lot of not positive bright spots.
2: Um I I have some interesting news. Um ha, Glenn have you ever been to North Dakota? No, I've
0: never been. I've never driven through it or never been.
2: Um okay, so um, I'm actually going to go to North Dakota and I'm, winter? I'm trying, I'm going to North Dakota in June. Our listener, okay, Chantal. That's better. <laughs> right? We have a listener in North Dakota, right? Chantal. Right.
0: That's right. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, as of. Yesterday, I mean, the paperwork hasn't been signed, but I have just been hired, Glenn, to go to North Dakota. They're having a horse expo, and I am going to be one of the demo and presenters. Oh, yay. I saw her
0: post that, and I was hoping you'd sign up.
2: I didn't sign up. They called me. Oh, wow. Go cool. And so, yeah, I I think I'm traveling. I think there's one person from Texas coming and then me and then the rest are kind of local people that are going to be doing some demos. So I, uh, June 4th, 5th and 6th, I will be in North Dakota, which is the one state I've never been to. Which and is it's kind the of right insane. time of year to go. <laughs> she, actually, she said in June. Of course, you know, they all sound like they're from Canada, which, right. you know, uh, uh, she told me, you know, Basically, be prepared for anything. And I, I, said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, it could snow." I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, it could snow in June. Eh? Um, so I'm supposed to bring my bat, my coat and um, maybe some skis. I guess I don't know. And I'm going to. D- so I, I, I'm excited. I've never done um, an expo or demos like that before. You know, I've just taught clinics. So it's. I mean, I guess it's a kind of a three day clinic. What's really cool is there's a, a, a kind of a horse and hound rescue up there that that takes thoroughbreds off the track. It's a rescue that takes thoroughbreds off the track, and so I'm gonna restart a bunch a of them.
0: Track in North Dakota.
2: I guess so. My gosh. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and then they're going to send me a bunch of horses to work, and they're all going to be available for adoption. So you guys can come oh, and cool. see june 4th fifth, and 6th and i said what happens if like you know the world shuts down they said we're having it unless the governor shuts us down they've
0: been pretty loose there in north dakota so
2: yeah Yeah. well so so i'm pretty excited north dakota june 4th 5th and 6th i will get information as it comes to me and let you guys know about it but any of y'all up there i would love to see
0: you it'd be so fun she might be our one listener in north dakota i'm not sure
2: Um, apparently not because she had to run it by the board and everybody was very excited that that I was coming And I'm uh, assuming. So we have two listeners in North Dakota. (laughs) Yeah. There's at least one other person who was like, hey, that girl's cool. She's on horses in the morning. So, um, yeah, they, anybody who wants to volunteer to work with me because, uh, Chantel, I don't know if you know, but I can't bring Abby because it's her birthday weekend. And so I'm going to need a rider. Where else would you want to be the North
0: Dakota on your birthday?
2: uh that's what i said like what else is (laughs) gonna be better than that so i'll keep working her but um for the most part yeah come on up yo a and uh see what we were just saying about
0: offending people now we've offended everybody in north dakota six times here this morning with your (laughs) accent
2: (laughs) oh my gosh i'm going to north dakota and i'm gonna play with some racehorses yeah i don't know that sounds i
0: offended him by saying oh there's a track in north
2: dakota is there one there uh, may, I know there's tracks in Canada. So there has to be. All
0: right, you look that up while I do uh, our fact of the day because I, I have one, and we have oh, time my. before we get to Max, who's going to join us here shortly. And I have a very interesting, fun equestrian fact of the day. So you look up whether there's a racetrack in North Dakota. And now it's time for today's equestrian. Who knew? Fact of the day. The official Guinness record for high jump is still 8 feet 1.25 inches, and that was by a horse called Hoso X Faithful, ridden by Captain Alberto Morales of San Diego, Chile, in Santiago, Chile, it, and that was back in 1949. It's one of the longest-running unbroken sports records in history at 70 years. So this is interesting. Speaking of racehorses, this horse was a racehorse. His name was Faithful back then, and now they changed his name and added X Faithful. Uh, but he never achieved good results, and because he was too nervy and unruly, picture that—a racehorse that was nervy and unruly. After six years of failure, the horse was purchased in the nineteen forties by a, a army captain from Chile, who thought he could be trained for dressage. Well, Faithful was just starting his training. He suffered an accident, impaled himself on the back quarter, and they almost had to put him down, but they saved him, and eventually recovered, but he had a limp and a gimp in his left hind, and basically that put an end to his uh, dressage career. So the last option, he was moved to show jumping. He still was kind of a pain in the butt and was nervy and difficult to control. And he wasn't showing any promise in jumping. One afternoon, they were working with him on the ground. They were doing some uh, freestyling with him. And uh, apparently he bolted, jumped over a wall, which was two meters high and ran away. And an army horse master saw it happen and went, I need him for jumping. So this Captain Alberto took him over for training, trained a horse for two years specifically to set the world record at the high jump. That's what he was for. No pressure. Yeah. Targeted the national record, then the South American record, and finally the world record. He broke the world record at the age of 16, which, you know, think about It's kind of old for breaking world records. And after the record, he was retired and never ridden again. He roamed freely until he died at the age of 28. And he's buried at the Calvary Academy where he spent his last couple of years. So there you go. Now, apparently there's been videos of horses jumping nine feet since then, but none of them ever did it officially for the world record. So he still holds that world record after all this
2: time. Fantastic. See, look at you learn
0: things with me.
2: I'm going to teach you something else. There is the North Dakota horse park. Um, there's a, it's, it's the North Dakota horse park in Fargo, North Dakota. And, um, the, they have 110 acres in the Northwest edge of Fargo. And, uh, it is, has stabling for over 400 horses, indoor and outdoor riding arenas, a grandstand seating. So yes, there is a, at least one racetrack in North Dakota and it's just on the outskirts of Fargo. Hmm, who knew? We're educating everybody today,
0: including <laughs> ourselves. And the only thing I know Fargo by is the movie. So I,
2: I know that's, that's what all what anybody <laughs> knows. Uh, true story. I actually got so can I just apologize
0: to all our North uh, North Dakota listeners and tell them if they're really unhappy with us to send an email to Jennifer Radio
2: Network. Uh, I w- wait until after you hear this. because oh. it's going to piss them off more. <laughs> so I, uh, when you are looking for a radio job. There's job bulletin boards, but they don't want to tell the people who are about to get fired that they're about to get fired. So basically, it's a job description. On this this board uh, on the uh, on the internet, and it tells you you know what the job is, but it doesn't tell you where the job is because they don't want the employees that are currently on the radio to know they're about to get so fired. So you're
0: applying for something, you have no idea where it is.
2: <laughs> so you apply for something. So I apply for jobs, <laughs> send all the references. This person talked and talked and talked to all my references and all my former bosses. And he calls me and he's like, "Okay, we would like to hire you. You seem like a perfect fit." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is great!" Um, and he's like how do you feel about the winter? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you were in Atlanta then? I was in, I was in Phoenix, actually. Oh. <laughs> and I was looking for a job near Phoenix so I could work while Chad was in the military. And And he said, uh, just so you know, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota. And just so you know, everybody here doesn't die in a wood chipper. <laughs> and I was like... I'm sorry. What he's like? Oh, you haven't seen the movie Fargo, eh? And I was like, No, I haven't. He's like, Oh, people die in a wood chipper in the movie, but that doesn't happen all the time. Not every day. I was like, well, this sounds like a job that I would love to have. I did not leave Phoenix and move to Fargo. Yeah, that'd been a switch a in temperatures,
0: story. wouldn't it? That'd sent your old body uh, shivering.
2: Holy I did feel baby. good though that I got I could get hired for something, but I did feel bad that I got hired for something in North Dakota, not a top Somebody forty market Dakota like Dakota you was. were
0: le- used to in Atlanta. So. <laughs> of course, no,
2: but of course this I mean either, it was so. same
0: That's,
2: kind of job, you know, yeah. hosting a morning radio show, and then uh, in Fargo, so and I was you like, got I- stuck with this. Uh, I was like, how on earth do you get your car started in the morning at 2.30 in the morning when you're going to work home? Jeez, you better have a garage. Anyway, long story. I, I almost <laughs> moved to North Carolina. I got offered a job there. I didn't Yeah, I don't think
0: moved. Chad would have went for that by the way. But know.
2: the fact that in my job interview was, not everybody dies in a wood chipper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everybody so far goes now going, yes, we don't want to relive that scene anymore. I don't
2: remember. Yeah. I never saw it. So I, I'm not, I, that's enough information to know that I don't need to see that movie. <laughs> no,
0: you won't like that movie. <laughs> All right. We got to give a call to our first guest. Uh, and I booked this at the last minute, but it was very important because the news came out that Land Rover Kentucky in April is not going to happen with, with fans, but they are going to do something. And there was a lot of confusion a lot of people very upset. So I thought, let's get the boss on. Max Cochran, who is president of the United States Eventing Association and a friend of ours. So let's give her a call and uh, see what the real scoop is here. Sounds like they're going to add divisions and they're going to make it open to more riders. Wouldn't that be cool if you say you could ride a Rolex? You're just not ready. You're Hello. Hello, Max. You're on with Jamie and Glenn. How are you?
4: Hey, Max. Good. How are you doing? Hello. Good. How are you?
0: Nothing going on in your world, huh? Oh pretty quiet and just hanging out eating bonbons yeah Yeah. (laughs) you picked a hell of a year to be the boss i gotta tell you yeah
4: Uh yeah yeah it's been
0: good all right let's talk about the news yesterday everybody's all upset and all unhappy and i don't think it's unhappy as it was meant to be in the headlines so kind of tell us what's going on at land rover
4: I think I think it's I think people are more frustrated and um than they are angry I would say sort of the biggest thing and from from all the the conversations that we've had it to do the five star events there's I would I think a lot of people don't know everyone said well why can't they run the four star not the five star the FEI has put some pretty big um Restrict, not restrictions, but um, specifications for running a five-star. And a lot of that has to do with prize money and closed-circuit TV and just other things that they, you know, how how they see as a five-star, just so there's not a bazillion five-stars out there in the world. It's a very special thing. But with that comes a lot of expense. And to do that is a little bit hard because the biggest fundraiser and, and revenue maker for, the, um, for that competition is the spectators. Um, is the is the tickets, which, of course, I mean, that makes perfect sense. and I think that's the same for some of the other competitions that I mentioned Burley um and other places. So um I think that it was sort of their main um, their main reason for for canceling. and I think I think you know, good for them for canceling now and not anything closer because now people can people we there can be another plan made, right? Everyone the people that were getting ready to go there can uh, the riders and horses and owners and stuff, they can make another plan. and what what they're going to offer what remains to be seen but i know they're they're trying to still do something for you know they're trying to still have a competition there and what what that's going to look like we're not really quite sure about yet
0: now i did say they did say in the article in the chronicle anyway that they were going to do a four-star because it's also a qualifier for tokyo right
4: right but i i i don't know i was reading that as well and i I don't know if that means that they're going to. Do a four. I th- all the horses have to do a four short within within I think a twelve month period or a six month period, something like that to go. The horses that did um you know, try on last year because you know, at the end of the day there's been one qualifier, well, two, I guess, um for all this time, you know, in 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 um in North America within in the last couple you know last sort of two years now, sort of. So if you didn't go there um, and your horse hasn't run a long format in a while, you technically, you know, I don't know what the FBI is going to tweak things and make it a little bit different to be actually qualified at having done your long format within 24 months, usually is what it is, um, or even within 12 months. And then you have to do a four short on top of that too, um, just to prove that you guys are still at the level. Um, so I don't, you know, it, yes, it's a qualifier, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a qualifier if that makes sense. It's, but it's, some of the horses will need it, that right? You have to check.
0: They'll need that. Some
4: of the horses will need it, but there's also a lot of other four stars, four shorts um, okay. that the horses could run. Gotcha. Um, but I, you know, I think I think one of our big things is that is not having a four long, um, and you know, if we couldn't have the four shorts or the five long to do another four long somewhere in that time frame, um, it would be great for everybody because you know Jersey Fresh will get completely overloaded. And we don't. And Bromont is first of all a little late for. Oh, for, you can't go to you know, Canada anyway for, for Tokyo. <laughs> and we don't know if Canada at the border is going to be open precisely exactly. Yeah. So um, you know that. So to be able to do, you know, I guess it's like you know in a pie pie in the sky world, um, because there's very little restrictions on prize money and stuff like that from through the FBI for for a four long. But you know, if, if Kentucky would do that, I think that would be that would be best case scenario. But again, that's their thing. They've got a a group that are very smart people that are, you know, business wise and, and um, a great staff there that will hopefully work with the well, USCF and, and make the right decision. Well, now
0: the max, it does look like they're looking at adding, they're actually looking at adding classes to it so that they would get yes. some preliminary and intermediate. So people could, you know, people that never could ride it at, at Rolex or Land Rover before Kentucky, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah exactly. Could exactly. do it now because they they would have some lower yeah. divisions. Right.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. And it could be, uh, it would be very cool. It, and unfortunately, you know, like every time you do that, it's a little bit the trick that we've had with the American eventing championships, you're going to affect other competitions mm. around the country in that area that are going to end up hurting for competitions, you know, for numbers. Um, so that that is going to be a bit of a tricky thing, you know, because even on that same weekend, there are competitions that run across the country and then, you know, the week before and the week after, you're also affecting those competitions too, aren't you? So um, that might be, you know, that it, it's it's a tough, it, it is a one-off year and it probably would never happen again. And it's a very cool thing to to be able to do. But then there's also those other events that are, have, you know, do their thing every year. And they say, okay, we know we run on Kentucky's year, but you know, a lot of people like to come to my event and compete and they go and they'll watch Kentucky on the live feed, that type of thing. So it, you know it's it's the good news and the bad news in, in mm. a lot of ways if you think about it on that sort of a more inter um, area level. I I
0: kind of wonder we were talking about the Olympics too in Tokyo. I I gotta I gotta wonder about that. So many of the European countries like England are yeah. just shut down, and you know they're not out yep. competing. And then they probably wouldn't be this time no. of year anyway. But um, you well, know they're they would, it's tough. They're,
4: Starting to, but yeah, they they can't even, um, they can't teach unless the people are, you know, people can go and exercise their horses, but, um, and they can teach if those horses are kept on the farm, but nobody can go anywhere to have lessons or do anything like that. They can't leave their property to, um, to gallop or to have a jump school or do something. So like wherever your horse is, that's what you got.
0: Mm, That's tough.
4: So, yeah, I mean, so, and they're meant to run badminton, but we'll see what actually you know. If, the, if all the lead ups are canceled, we're not really sure.
0: And they were going to run badminton without a crowd, right?
4: Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And they've been planning that for a year now, so they've they've they have sorted that out.
0: So what what happens here? <laughs> Will there be TV for this four star? Is that how they're going to make some of the money back? They'll just sell you know sell a package where you can watch the four star. Don't
4: know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell. I know that closed circuit TV is one of those things that they, that's part of what they do where you can actually have the screens in different places where a ground jury member can watch every single jump type of thing. And then there's a live feed, you know, there's also, then there's the live feed where, you know, which is a lot, um, you know, the, the production company that does, I think it's car. Mm, I'm getting this wrong Yeah, I and know I'm you sure mean. they're going to be really mad at me. Yeah. Um, and but it's they not do, Martin, i is mean it car, they are,
0: it's something like that though No, yeah.
4: car productions yeah. or something and, and they do such an incredible job and it is top 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 notch but um and then there's other companies that do a very very good job as well but they you know it's not as intricate and complicated and um that that are less expensive so maybe they go that route and then again like you said cuz usually watching the live feeds free isn't it so maybe they charge for the live feed or do something to that effect um I think there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, for sure. But um, well,
1: but uh,
4: how much fun is it to watch preliminary horse trials on TV? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Unless I mean, you know, the
4: person. <laughs>
2: you know, here's the thing: as a person who has attended Rolex, Land Rover, one of those events, pretty much since I was nine years old, what is the situation for? me? Like, can I go, what if I had tickets for last year? How does that, how does that roll over yeah. the refunds? Can we roll over our tickets? How, yeah. How's all that looking?
4: I think from what I, from what I've been told is that you can, um, you can either roll them onto next year or they can, or they will give you a full refund. Um, full they've refund. got the ability to do that. Yep. They said they can do a full refund. That, that was one of their other big things too, is to make sure that they had enough resources to be able to give everybody a full refund if they needed it. Um and they do sort of have a rainy day fund that has been tucked away to do that, or they give you, um, or they just roll it again. Just keep now, rolling, baby. Rolling, I know, right? Rolling,
2: rolling. <laughs> We're gonna get there eventually. As media, can I yeah. can I still come and cover it, or is there no media allowed at it?
4: I, uh, media is fine. That's that's something they've that always been. That they've always allowed as as um, that. But again, then you just you're sort of there as on an official capacity, aren't you? Um, not as a spectator. You're there working.
0: Well, mm-hmm. well, so that's, called, that's Max, if you that call this work, story. I don't know if we call this work.
4: Well, whatever. exactly. <laughs> you what you love, it's not work, is it? Uh, just, well, I mean, like you're there on an official, unofficial capacity. You're not there just hanging out, watching, and um, you're there sort of covering, but you're you're providing a service.
2: Max, I got to ask a personal question. Are you kind of rethinking this whole, yeah, sure, I'll be president <laughs> yeah, of oh, the whole thing uh, at this point? I yeah. mean, it's like a non-paid gig, and you're like, oh, let's throw a pandemic at her let's see how she does
4: I know I know I will say one of the things you know I'm not rethinking it one of the things that I I am a bit frustrated with is that now that it's you know I had all these thoughts and plans you know into place and and with the pandemic I haven't been able to do them and you know so I yes I've still got two years left but am I going to have enough time to do the things I wanted to do you know, it's a little bit, it's almost like the one year was sort of a buy year, you know? So it's just, yeah. in, in a way, I'm like, oh, God, I can't, like, oh, you know, the end of my term can't come soon enough. But then there's the, the deeper part of me that's like, I kind of wish I had one more year that, that I could actually do this because I feel like I've spent an entire year just putting fires out. Yeah, but I you know, can that they we're roll no longer. No your fault, presidency.
2: No fault yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that <laughs> you've been putting on no fires. Idea. Yeah. Can they extend yes. it?
0: Yeah, but I'm going to yeah, say I on mean, behalf I, of the horse world know. and everybody that loves you to death that you were the one to lead this year. You were supposed to be there.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, yeah, it is is. Um, it it is frustrating. It's mentally, the right but person for know, the right job not, at the
0: right time, Max, and that's you. I hate exactly to tell you, you that. were the one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> for trying to keep the glass half full. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been, you know, I wouldn't take it back um there's been some you know um obviously times when i want to be like what am i doing (laughs) i am way over my head um but you know obviously it's like it's a it's a massive learning curve um but again like between you know last year we had a tough year last year with the horse and rider death early in the year and then the pandemic and then you know other things we've had to um, navigate you know plant the whole plantation field and and a lot of that kind of stuff which has not been um uh, any kind of, you know, it's been pretty heavy lifting along the way, you know, getting everybody restarted and, you know, try, just trying to re, re, sort of re, get us back to where we could be as functional as possible. Which, as we know as adventurers, we're not really all that functional on a good day. So, <laughs> you deserve um, a bonus. But, you know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I deserve yeah. a bonus. You I deserve. deserve a yeah, raise. I'll get a bonus of my of my no. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the raise. Exactly. I know. We'll put in a good word for you, Max. Be, you know, we'll
0: double your pay.
4: Thanks so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drinks are on me. Don't you worry. Um, but even being able to, you know, just a lot of getting to travel to the different areas to sort of, you know, have a have a national presence at some of the local competitions and that sort of stuff, I, you know, couldn't. No, none of us could do. Um, and so that's, you know, it's that's tough too because that's sort of. That's the fun part of the job is getting to sort of go and travel and, you know, be part of it and listen to the people from the different areas. You know, Lord knows, like, I go to enough Area 2 and Area 3 competitions, but I had plans to go to, you know, Area 4 and Area 7 and, you know, do a lot of other things that I could. Area have, five? Yeah, you know, just to get out there. Area five, exactly. Come totally on. Area five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Area five. But just sort of, you know, as a, you know, the. She's going Area five, where's that? And I don't <laughs> remember where Area five is. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Texas. We have a five? Yeah, which is a it's There's a five?
0: Too. Wow, I didn't know that we had a five.
4: Oklahoma? That's weird. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, no, it's a big, and like, and funny enough, Area four is the largest geographic area. I mean, that's a huge area. Yeah. And um, I, I was at the Area 4 meeting a couple of years ago in, in Idaho. No, where was I? Des Moines, Iowa. And um, it was, I didn't realize how big that area is. I mean, it's massive. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, crazy you know, you know well, so, growing yeah. up
2: on the east coast and eventing in area eight and then you know up at area three everything is there together and then i moved out to arizona and i'm like oh i gotta go to northern california area 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> area 10 yeah.
4: Then, yeah exactly and,
2: and all yeah. around it now i'm in oklahoma and now oh well, we gotta
4: go to texas <laughs> like yeah. lots of exciting, yeah no it's lots of driving yeah and and the, and you have to pick and choose like you really got to plan your your competitions because they're they're just not that many. So if you okay. miss one, you kinda like you're waiting for a month to get to your next, aren't you? It's true.
0: Well, Max, I know yeah, you have to go do some weather. other things, and we caught yeah. you in between. Thanks for coming on in such short notes. It's good yeah. to talk to you again. You're very welcome. You know you, you have big too. fans over here at Horse Radio Network. Thank you. So. <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, I'm big fans of you guys too. We spent <laughs> many years together with the vending radio show. Yes, we I did. Am- yeah. I am officially
2: petitioning yeah. them to double your salary this year. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do a
0: write-in petition. We're going to, we're going to start an online uh, yeah. signatures. Let me do that right now.
4: We'll
0: get a hundred thousand signatures to double this. your pay.
4: For those who don't know, go from Max 0.0, to 0. Exactly. <laughs> I know it is good. I do. I do. And the people like I, the, the crew at the USDA is amazing. They are, that is a, I'm um, a small but seriously mighty crew of people there and they're just awesome people. And, um, yeah, well, it's been,
0: you were, yeah, I meant what I said. What been, I, said. I, believe, I believe people are put where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be there. And you were meant to be there. So, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. thanks for leading away, Max.
4: <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. All We'd right. follow well, you well, off we'll a cliff any later.
0: day. We would.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye Max. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye for see now. You,
0: she truly was the right one at the right time for this. She really was. I don't, I,
2: it's, it's funny because she's like, you know, it's scheduled at 11 as a cliff jump, so let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like Max. She's a lot of fun. And, you know, I, so it's not canceled. They're going to do something. There won't be spectators. It's canceled for spectators, um, at least in person. But they, it sounds like they're going to do something TV-wise to make up some of the money. You realize, I think they have to commit. It's like $150,000 in prize money if they do a five-star. Well, if they don't have spectators, they ain't getting up $150,000, right? So uh, that's one of the big reasons they had to do it. It's purely financial. And we talked to them, what, uh, a couple months ago and discovered that that was the case. And this would probably be the way it would go. And they could have done it, I think, with uh, 50% spectators. But even then, the costs are huge. If you think about the porta just everything to run that. It's just Mm -hmm. everything's expensive. It all has to be rented, all those big screens and all that stuff, all the security and just everything. It's expensive to run a big show like that. So hopefully we'll see. I think that it would be
2: really nice to visit the trade fair with 50% capacity because then I wouldn't have to stand (laughs) in line as long.
0: Well, that's the other thing. They weren't sure if all the the, uh, trade people would come with 50%. You know, is it worth it for them to pay rent and come? They would have had to lower the rents. It just was a mess, I think.
2: Well, all those trade people looking for somewhere to go, they can go to the North Dakota Horse Expo, June fourth through the sixth. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you're looking to buy at a trade fair, but there's none around you, there is a thing you can do, and that's go to StateLineTech.com. And I saw a couple of the auditors on there posting that they need the new blankets because their horses have destroyed theirs. It's but about the middle of the winter, so they start destroying the blankets already. Yeah, well, they having a big blankets sale right now at statelinetac.com, up to 68% off, and they have one, two, eight pages of blankets listed on here. And I'm looking, 46% off, 47% off Amigos, Kensington, 46% off. They have uh, Shires at 48% off. It Just every kind of blanket you can imagine is on here, uh, on sale right now. Noble Outfitters right now, 53% off. And as I said, there's eight pages of blankets. So you're going to find something for your pony or your horse. They have a lot of pony too, by the way, because uh, a lot of times you can't find pony. They have a Rambo on. Here twenty eight percent off, and you never see the Rambo's at anything off. So uh, head you know on. what
2: I I would like to say that when you can't use your right arm, blanketing number one is very difficult. <laughs> uh, uh, so shout out to my husband, <laughs> yeah, Chad, who helped me last night. But I would like to say that I need a whole bunch of new blankets now, honey. Sorry, because I need the ones that clip in the front. Because doing the buckles mm. in front of their chest, is it doesn't work with one hand. So I need the clips. We have one of the blankets so that back.
0: has the double Velcro. That's really nice in the front. Chad
2: just done. yelled no from downstairs.
0: <laughs> and if you have miniature horses, they have miniature horse blankets too. By the way, miniature horse blankets start at $41. So it, you know what? You save a Get lot a of money having like a mini. <laughs> it's like they're free. It's like they're free. 25% off of those too. StatelineTAC.com for all your blanketing needs. If they're destroying their blankets right now, go get yours now. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to go into this.
1: It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report, when our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify Horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble wrap-lined equine products. I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Richard McMullen, Auburn University
2: College of Veterinary Medicine's associate professor with a focus on equine ophthalmology, and that's what we're going to talk to talk about today. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it to come on and talk about, I'm sure one of your favorite things in the world, eyeballs.
5: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) Now tell us a little bit about what you do at Auburn.
5: Well, um, Auburn is is quite unique in that we have a, a split service. We have a um, small animal ophthalmology service that runs independently from our equine service. And um, we're centered and located down in the, in the barn. So we have a, a 24-7 presence in the barn um, and deal solely with uh, equine. Well, not solely. We do see farm animals as well. Uh, we have a large farm animal service at Auburn University as well. So uh, but we are mainly focused on on equine eyes, and I think one of the things that's probably most um, unique about Auburn is that we do a majority of our uh, surgeries when they're required under uh, sedation as opposed to general anesthesia.
2: Interesting. Now I gotta ask because you said farm animal and other animals. What is the weirdest animal eyeball you've had to to work on?
5: Oh, what's weird? Yeah, that's a that's a hard one. Um, a weird animal or unique, know, probably unique would probably be an elephant. See,
2: that's weird. <laughs> that <qualifies. laughs>
4: right.
2: You've worked on elephant eyeballs. Wow. How do you, how does one approach an elephant and say, Hey, come here, let me look at your eye.
5: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that it really depends. And uh, obviously we don't get to see uh, a lot of those. Um, uh, I had, uh, quite a bit of experience with, uh, uh, uh a, a sp- particular elephant when I was at uh, North Carolina State University, uh, because we, uh, had close interactions with the zoo, uh, in North Carolina. Um, and then, um, then also some circus elephants or privately owned elephants, um, are, are often smaller, uh, Asian elephants and, um, are trained really well. And so, um, it's it's mainly up to uh, the trainability of the animal and and how well they respond to their trainers. For okay, sure. Okay, I have to ask. I can't uh, let but this we don't go. don't see those very pretty, yeah.
0: I can't let this go, Doc. Go so ahead. so elephant eyes. Do they see? Do they see real well, or or are there other senses that they don't see real well? I don't know what what about elephants.
5: Yeah, I think that's that's a hard question to answer accurately. Um, do they see well? So any animal that has an eyeball has a potential to see. Um, now, they may happen to not see as um, well in focus as we do or the same colors, but but vision is an important sense for, for most mammals, I guess. Let's restrict it to that. That's probably easier. Um, and and so um, their, their vision is certainly different. And with the lateral placement of their eyes on their head, similar to horses, uh, they have a, a very large field of view and are able to see almost, you know, uh, an elephant less so than a horse, but about 270 degrees around them, which is certainly much better than what we can see. Um, Mm -hmm. Our focus is mainly in front of us.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: So he comes on a horse show and starts talking about elephant eyes. Sorry, <laughs> we, we like weird stuff. <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, it's
5: a easy to get sidetracked too. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, t- going back to the horse's eyeball, what are some of the things that you know? Okay, my horse's eye is runny. My horse's eye is cloud. My horse's eyes is. This, when should I call the veterinarian in? When I see some like, what are some things I would see on my horse that would make me go, okay, time to call the vet?
5: Yeah, that, that's a, a really good question. And I think one that is uh, fraught with confusion. So, you know, if your horse's eye is tearing and running a little bit, that's not cause for an emergency immediately. Now, if that continues to to persist and it doesn't get better, then it's uh, best to, to call someone in. I would usually give that a day or two. If If the Um, if it's just tearing and you see a little bit of tearing and and it sticks around for longer than two or three days, then I would have the veterinarian come out. And the reason is not to find something horrible, but to rule out something bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's a very limited number of signs that horses show or any species show that demonstrate or indicate that there's a problem. And being able to differentiate what that means is, is key to, um, appropriate therapy.
2: Okay. Okay. So, um, what, what is something I will see and go, Oh my God, call the vet right now.
5: Uh, well, if the eyes slam shut, so uh, severe swelling of the eyelids, um, uh, extreme discomfort, behavioral changes, a horse that's normally easy to deal with and calm and, and, um, doesn't protest when you touch its head or touch its its neck. Uh, if it starts to have behavioral changes um, or or indications that there's visibly something wrong with the eye being swollen and closed, that that's a, a a very good time to call your veterinarian out to have them look.
2: Okay. I I have a weird question. Um, because this is something I deal with. I I take a lot of horses off the racetrack and retrain them. And one of the horses that I have, um, that came in, it's weird. It's, it's like, he must've suffered an injury when he was young because his skull is kind of malformed. and I say that in like right where a unicorn horn would pop out, he has a little bump, and I like to say that's where his horn mm-hmm. is growing. Um but on the, with that, there's like a, a little dent indentation to like say the unicorn horn is coming out right in the middle where the whirl is, and there's a little dent to the right, and that I t- is a little teary all the time. Do you, is that something you would go, Oh, you have the vet look at it or not. Nah, it's just kind of something that he's going to deal with.
5: Well, I think that becomes a, a situation where, um, if it's not causing a problem, it's probably it, it, obviously the, the constant tearing is something that draws your attention, uh, to, to it. Um, but that might not be a tremendous problem for the horse. It might just be due to some previous injury that caused a disruption or um, compression of the nasolacrimal duct, the the mm-hmm. draining tract from the eye that leads down to the nose. There may be compression in the bony component of that tract, um, and so. That would be something that, for peace of mind, it would make sense to have that evaluated by uh, an, an ophthalmologist. So someone who specializes in in eyes and, and um, more importantly, works with a lot of horses. Uh, and the reason being is that it's a lot easier to figure out if that's something that's going to cause problems down the road or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes a situation like that, if there's nothing uh, out of the ordinary after your veterinarian evaluates the horse initially, um, there's not any reason to hurry to get behind something like that. Uh, But in order to really um, identify the problem, it probably needs a little bit further uh, workup and more, more um, uh, examination and not necessarily with a bunch of different tests, but uh, comparing experience levels. It's, um, you know, how often is someone looking at a problem like that and then what kind of uh, uh, experiences or comparative cases do they have to to base those findings on?
2: Well, well, what my husband heard is that it's not an emergency call, so he appreciates that. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> good point. Well, that's a, a hard thing.
2: Uh, yeah, obviously, obviously. Well, so, so what is something when you do a pre-purchase exam, what are some things that you look at in a horse's eye for a pre-purchase?
5: So we, we don't, I don't do complete pre-purchase exams. So so, I just want to specify that I, I will do the ocular portion of it. Um, if I'm, uh, uh, as a consult, right. um, because the pre-purchase exam itself is a, is a pretty uh, extensive examination. Um, but it, the the ophthalmic portion of it is we look for anything that indicates chronic disease, um, chronic disease processes that may become acute. So um, opacifications, cloudiness in the cornea, vascularization in the cornea, um also um, lesions that could lead to visual disturbances, um, cataracts, and depending on where they're located in the lens, how much are they going to affect light reaching the back of the eye to the retina? Or Mm -hmm. are they going to be lesions that are going to progress to compromise vision later on down the road? Gotcha. There are, um, lots of changes that can take place in a horse's eye due to many different reasons. Some of them, are more important than others. And so I think anytime lesions are found that are questionable, it's a good idea to to have a, a second opinion if it's not clear cut as to what the problem is to, to be able to determine if that's going to cause a problem for the horse down the road.
2: Understood. So a lot of what you do is kind of almost predicting the future, which is always probably pretty fun.
5: Absolutely, it certainly keeps things <laughs> keep keeps us on our toes and and reminds us that we're not very good at that either. So,
2: <laughs> um, okay. And then, as far as getting you know your your vet comes out to do your spring vaccinations and just give a general exam, what what kind of things are you going to be looking at then?
5: Well, I think probably the most important thing is to. Um, uh, just evaluate the overall clarity of the eye. Um, and it doesn't have to be a very long, extensive examination, but there there should be a light that's cast into the eye using a, a pen torch or an ophthalmoscope, uh, some sort of uh, focused light source um, to evaluate the clarity of the cornea, um, assess the pupil response, do the pupils move freely, uh, do they close when light enters the eye, um, and do they respond appropriately to light and is the color of the eyes normal so if you shine a light into the horse's eyes from an arm's length away uh, and look at both both of the eyes there should be a similar color from that tapetal reflex the tapetum is the part of the reflective surface on the retina in the back of the horse's eye that will cause the eyes to glow a greenish bluish or reddish color. Depending mm-hmm. on the horse's coat color in the, in the um, reflective surface in the horse's eye. Uh, and if that's all that is clear and normal, that gives you a really good indication that things are, are okay. certainly doesn't rule out you know, minute things or, or, or more uh, subtle changes, but it will give you a good indication that things are okay.
2: That's uh, what you just said is uh, just like knock me down because you shine a light. We've all seen a vet shine a light in a horse's eye and the color that reflects back depends on what the coat color is of the horse.
5: Uh, To a certain degree, yes. So bays, bay horses generally are going to have a bluish or greenish reflection Um, And then the more white there is in a horse's coat color, chestnut color horses will be a little bit brighter, have a little bit more yellow because they have areas of the tapetum that 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 reflective zone is not as large. And so there's more blood vessels that are visible. Um, The more blood vessels that are visible, you get of a kind of a reddish response. So if you have a a paint horse or a, a color dilute horse, one with a lot of white, um, they can, uh, especially pattern coat colors, they can have uh, a reddish reflex that is kind of similar to our eyes. Um, wow. but, um, it is due to the lack of a tapetum in uh, is, the visualization of vessels.
2: That is cool. Well, Dr. McMullen, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to go learn more about eyeballs or get in touch with a, an ophthalmologist in their area, do you know where they could go?
5: Uh, the, the best resource to find uh, ophthalmologists um, are the ACVO, um, uh, which is the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists, um, and also the International Ophthalmology uh, International Equine Ophthalmology Consortium, uh, the IEOC. Um, that is a, a group of subgroup of ophthalmic uh, interested uh, individuals, so it encompasses practitioners with a strong interest in equine ophthalmology, as well as um, uh, ophthalmologists themselves. Uh, and so those are those are both very good resources.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking a little time out of your busy morning schedule to talk to us. Dr. Richard McMullen from Auburn University. We appreciate it.
5: Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure.
2: Thank you, Dr. McMullen. Well, there you go. Horse's eyeballs. We talked eyeballs. So you didn't even get grossed out once, did you? I didn't
0: know. But, you know, this isn't the first time we've talked eyeballs. Maybe I'm getting used to it. But then you also didn't have any, you know, branches poked through the eyeball out the back of the head stories. So
2: it's true. It's true. I didn't. But isn't <laughs> it that weird that my so Parker is the horse with the unicorn horn popping out? And I showed it to my veterinarian and I said, He's got a weird, like it looks like he got like kicked in the head as a foal or something. And his forehead is like when you go to rub his forehead, there's a unicorn horn that's like popping out. (laughs) And I said, What is this? You got yourself a unicorn. Yeah. And and she's like, Wow, it looks like he had an injury when he was younger. And and her tech was like, No. I like the unicorn horn thing better, so (laughs) we're going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's funny. All right, let's hear a little bit about uh, our friends at Wintech, and then do you want to do a couple weird news stories before we get to our Black Reigns guest of the week?
2: Do I?
1: All right. Coach Jen here, HRN Chaos Control Officer and host of the Horse Tip Daily Show here on Horse Radio Network. Long-time Horse Radio Network fans know that I'm a big fan of Wintech saddles. I've been riding in them for about 20 years now. Whether I'm eventing, showing in dressage, or fox hunting, or hitting the trail at an endurance competition, I know my saddle fits my horse, and it's going to hold up to the toughest conditions and look great doing it. You may be wondering exactly which saddle do I use for this varied group of disciplines. Well, Wintech makes saddles for every discipline. That's how. I have several. And WinTech doesn't sit on their laurels. 2019 brings even more innovation to the saddle range, so head out to your local tax store and have a sit in one. Or you can contact your favorite online retailer, arrange a test ride, or check them out online at wintechsaddles.us.
2: Yes, it's time for weird news and I would like to thank Alicia Alicia's guy for sending me this weird news story. I'm glad because it's uh, it's we're actually gonna have weird news in Canada, Glenn.
0: Oh wow Canada. They they have weird news up there? I thought they it was only do. Florida
2: i know it goes it's all over the place british columbia canada so these two grocers it's a grocery store they're in the back they got their delivery of you know fruits and vegetables and they've got to open the boxes and go take them out and put them out and they opened a shipment of bananas here's the bananas what do you think came in the shipment of bananas glenn a snake poisonous it would be a lot funnier. No, I don't know if it would be fun. No, it wasn't a snake. Uh, they were fine. (laughs) Opened two shipments of bananas and, um, they found underneath the bananas, Blocks of cocaine. So basically <laughs> oh, somebody accidentally delivered some cocaine and bananas to a British Columbia grocery store <laughs> up in Canada. And um and,
0: and, they're, and the drug dealers got a box of bananas <laughs> without the and, cocaine.
2: Exactly. They're like, somebody sent the banana you got the bananas, I got the bananas. They open it like well, how much is it? It's bananas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're probably they peeling should. each one to see if they were inside. <laughs>
2: exactly. They must have. And it's a look look, it's like a Del Monte box of bananas. And there's bananas along the top. And if you pull some of the bananas off to the side, there's just brick after One, two, three, four, five, six. So I guess six bricks of cocaine. And um <laughs> I love that can Canada. Their um drug section is what it's called. Our investigation. This is these guys are investigators. Ready? This is their quote. Our investigation leads us to believe that these illicit drugs were not meant to end up here. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. A a mixed yeah. Shocker. I went
0: to really detective school for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's really good police work. Well done. All right. Do you right. think the
0: guy that shifted to the wrong place, I would say he was going to lose his job. But in that line of work, you might lose more than your job.
2: He's dead. Yeah. He's dead now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's- all right. Now we're going to go to Romania. We're going to move over to Romania because there's a guy that was, um, skiing and just, you know, random ski place, uh, you know, slopes in Romania and he's skiing down and David Creta is on a ski lift and he's getting lifted up to the top of the slopes. And he looks down and he sees this gentleman skiing down, while in hot pursuit behind him was a bear <laughs> this guy is getting chased Oops. down the slope by a bear and David Krita, who start. What what are you going to do? You're going to film it of course. And so he's filming it and he's up above and he's, on, he's like, Hey, bear. Hey! And he's, while well, he's filming it, he's yelling at this bear. And the skier, he said, "This the skier did a pretty cool move, which is a really safe one when you want to get away from a bear. He took his backpack off while he was skiing down and chucked the backpack off to the side and kept skiing down. Well, of course, the bear went for the bag instead of the skier. So the skier is safe and sound. Yeah, smart and then <laughs> Yeah, and this is a brown bear. This is not like a little, like black bear that's like kind of cute you know this is like <laughs> a monster it's one of the really aggressive one romania is home to six thousand brown bears one of the wow. largest populations in europe and so what they did is they're like swarm swarm get all the uh you know the the four wheelers and all of the ski- what are those ski mobiles snowmobiles Snowmobiles, thank you. And they, they get them all together, and they're like, let's get them! And they go up, and then the bear disappears. The <laughs> bear's like, peace.
0: I'm out of out. here.
2: <laughs> they said they're going to try to catch him to relocate him to, a, to a, a further place, you know, not quite so close to the slopes.
0: We watched a YouTube video. That, there's this filmmaker, she, she's from Sweden, and she looks Swedish. She's absolutely beautiful. And she lives in the north part of Sweden, and she did this film on living in Sweden in the winter. And let me tell you what, you, you know, we ask our people here why we live, why they live up north. Oh, my God. It, I don't know why people live there. Other than the northern lights are really pretty, but I don't see other, any other redeeming qualities of living in the north of Sweden in the winter. <laughs> All right. One
2: more. the Swedes One more. We're gonna head to Los Angeles. That's right. No We're Florida going to today. California. I'm so impressed. No, no Florida yeah. today. I mean, last time was all Florida, so I thought I'd give you guys a break. Now, um, when you are in in California, Glenn, and up in the hills of California, what is the iconic thing that you will see up in the hills? Big trees. The
0: Hollywood sign. Right. Oh, oh, oh okay. Gotcha.
2: You look up and there's the Hollywood sign. It just says, I've seen it. It's so cool. And um, yes, Monday afternoon, (laughs) a prank occurred. And uh, in the Hollywood Hills, a six person team came over and they changed the sign from Hollywood to Holly boob.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which would really take only one straight piece.
2: Holly, well, they did put a B in front of the W and oh, they, then they, made the okay, last yeah. D, like put a line across it. So they changed the Hollywood sign to Holly boob. Now you think, wow, they must have been doing something for like, you know, maybe breast cancer awareness or something to like really just to be funny, you know? Um, no. So basically, this lady had been posing for, I guess, she says it's sort of breast Let me cancer guess. awareness. It was an
0: Instagram person. It was
2: an, an Instagrammer. An influencer. And her, her Instagram account was shut down. I bet. And she was <laughs> angry because oh. Playboy has an Instagram account. Hey, who wanted Instagram accounts to follow? There you go. Here's one, Playboy. Apparently, Playboy is allowed to publish boobs on their Instagram account, but they are picking and choosing accounts which to disable. And why? And they turned mine (laughs) They didn't like her
0: boobs?
2: (laughs) They didn't like hers. And so uh, she and five friends went up and changed it to Holly boob to show Instagram what for. And um, they were arrested. Actually, yeah. they were ticketed and released. However, um, they will be going to they put court some Junefer. effort in. Those are big letters. Yeah. Yeah. She does. She goes, she looks really smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to believe what see, appears altered on her body. <laughs> 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 um, this is not apparently the first time that the Hollywood sign has been altered. In January of 2017, a man altered the Hollywood to read Hollyweed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that I get. I got to get that one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 4.20, baby. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, so there you go. That's your weird news. Holly boob. <laughs>
0: Um, my guess is she's never getting her Instagram account back now. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see a noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores, which we have a million of here in Florida. Every kind you can imagine, we have it here. Find it all of that at Equiderma.com. All of their products at Equiderma.com. Well, our next guest is our Black Reigns guest of the month. He grew up like many of us do, obsessed with horses, and now has a dream job working as a drover for the Fort Worth Herd. And we're going to find out what that means and more with Donald Lee. Hey, Donald.
3: Hey, Glenn. How you doing?
0: Good. So what is a drover?
3: Okay, a drover is actually the uh, name that uh, was—a drover is actually a cowboy before they were called cowboys. Before they were called cowboys, they were called drovers. And the reason why they were called drovers is because they drove cattle. When we start talking about they, we start talking about drovers, we're talking about a time period, that era between 1866 after the Civil War and, and the late 1880s. Uh, just a little bit about about who I am and who I work for. I work for the Fort Worth Herd. The Fort Worth Herd is a nonprofit organization that is managed by uh, the city of Fort Worth's um, Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so they manage it. And what we do is we are a public relations tool for the city of Fort Worth. Fort Worth is known as, uh, as Cowtown, as the Cowtown because of its rich heritage uh, in the Western culture, uh, and, uh, particularly the Old West. Now, to answer your question about a drover, the drovers were hired on to ranches back in the 1800s again, like I said, right after the Civil War, uh, to w- work ranches, but also to help to round up cattle. Uh, we work with, with longhorns. We got Texas longhorns that we, that we drive up the street twice daily in Fort Worth, and the uh, stockyards. And I got to say, um, I, I've country. been
0: there for that, and it's so cool. Yeah. It's so much fun to watch.
3: It, it is. It's fun to work with the Longhorns. And it's it, what we do, we do that because it's paying tribute to that era. And that was so crucial for Texas because after the Civil War, uh, as, you, as you would know, um, the economy in Texas was broke. It was busted after the war. And so, but in the North, the Northerners had uh they they had money but they had depleted their supply of cattle of beef so there was a strong need and desire for beef up north uh where beef was plentiful here in texas um Mm. and and there was a strong need for money to rebuild the economy here in texas and so it was kind of like you know the uh the The Reese's commercial where you got your, your your chocolate dipped into the peanut butter accidentally. Next thing you know, it, 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 it was a yeah. thing of winter. <laughs> Um So, so basically, what the drovers would do, you would have ranches that would hire these, uh, actually, uh, youngsters onto their outfit, and they would round up these longhorns. At that particular time, the longhorns were were very, very plentiful. I mean, they. Uh, estimated at about 12 million, running the roaming the plains wild in uh, the San Antonio area in South Texas. Wow! So they were so plentiful there, um, and they come pretty much like a dime a dozen, as they would say. The longhorns were only worth about a dollar a head here in Texas. So while a dollar was, you know, it was the value of a dollar was much more back then than it is now. It was still not enough in terms of, you know, trying to help to rebuild the economy and, and feed families. So, but they discovered, you know, some ranchers got together and said, hey, you know, if we can round up these wild cattle ro- uh, that's roaming around here and we can get them to market up in uh, Kansas um, to meet the real head, then we could actually command up to about $40 a head. So the drovers would round up wild Mustangs. Okay, they would wild. They also had mustangs that were running wild. They would have to round those those horses up. Then they would have to break them, right? Because again, this this time period, uh, the trains the trains did not come this far south. So the only way to transport the, the cattle from Texas or from uh, South Texas into Kansas, where they where the uh, railroad roads were. Um, where they would, you know, as far down as it would go, they would have to drive them up uh, on horseback. So that in order to get the horses, they had to catch the horses, they had to break the horses, get make them rideable, and then make them rideable to help to round up the longhorns. So they would round up the longhorns and uh, and start on a cattle drive. And now there were many cattle drives in uh, that were going out. Uh, in that particular time uh, period, but the time that we represent, on the uh, cattle drive that we represent at the in Fort Worth, is the Chisholm the Chisholm Trail, and that's because the Chisholm Trail actually uh, started in San Antonio, and they would drive cattle on into Fort Worth, stopping at the stockyards in Fort Worth to uh, to pick up supplies along their way. They would drive the cattle uh, up through Oklahoma into Kansas. And from there, they would meet the railhead uh, to transport the cattle uh, to the northern states, and that's how uh, Texas rebuilt its economy um, through the, the cattle drives. And the drovers were very, very a very major uh, contributor to that. Um, now, they would sell the cow. They would sell the longhorns. Now, remember, they would take two. You would have really about between ten and twelve drovers. You had about ten to twelve drovers that would transport on horseback, pushing them um, uh, 2,000 to 3,000 head of longhorns. That's a lot of longhorns. <laughs> it's a lot of long, long, longhorns, and they would travel hundreds of miles. Uh, they would get up early in the morning, about 4, four thirty in the morning, have their breakfast. They get up. They have biscuits, biscuits. They would have beans and coffee, black coffee, no sugar. no. <laughs> they would have no creamer, and they would get up. They would eat drink their coffee and then they would um uh, saddle their horses up and start moving. They would travel twelve to thirteen miles a day. So they would pretty much get up when it's still dark and they they weren't done until it was still dark. There was no lunch. So if you were hungry, if, if you plan on um eating um uh for lunch, you gotta make sure that you get you some biscuits and put it in your saddle bag because there was no stopping. You had to get those cattle keep those cattle moving. Um and so that that was uh what the Drovers did. And so we represent that.
0: Now, um, so I wanted to ask you, Donald, were there a lot yes. of African Americans and Mexicans and Indians and things working in Drovers? There were.
3: There there, there were in Glenn, let you know, and part of me is I'm I'm gonna answer that, but I wanna preface my answer with what I'm getting ready to tell you now. Okay. okay. Um the outfit that I ride for, the Fort Worth herd, um they 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 uh, do reach out to African Americans uh, to hire. Okay, and there have been some African Americans that work as drovers with with uh, the Fort Worth herd. Okay, but right now I'm the only one. Uh, there is a young man that just joined our outfit, who is uh, his mother is black and his and his, fa- and his father is, is a Hispanic. Okay, um, for the past five, almost six years. I've been the only the only black drover, okay. Now that haven't been said. That's interesting because when people come, when visitors come to the Fort Worth stockyards and they see me on horseback, or they'll see me walking around the stockyards with my drover clothes on because that's how we dress. We dress time uh, uh, period correct. So the way I dress for work is how they dress in the 1860s. Okay. So when when black people come to the to visit the stockyards, they're in awe when they see me because they they were like, oh, it's a black cowboy. Oh, a black, can we get a picture with you? Oh, we want to get a picture with you, right? You know why? That's because, you know... Most of us grew up watching westerns, the western movies you know, on TV on a big screen. We we grew up watching John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, all those guys, right? We grew up watching them, but we didn't see, we didn't even know, we didn't even know until we became grown that the real Lone Ranger was a black man by the name of Bass Reeds. That the Lone Ranger was not white; he was black. Right. So to answer your question, were there blacks uh, and Mexicans? Of course. Of one fourth of every cowboy, okay, in the West were black. Hmm. So, so actually, it was really a diverse. It was really a diverse uh, 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 arena or culture. You had you had your Anglo Saxon. Um, you had your newly freed slaves, right? You had the blacks. You also had the Native Americans, and you had the the Mexican vaqueros, and so. The images that we've gotten all our lives from the media is a misrepresentation of reality. It was a misrepresentation of what what it really was, and so it was very diverse. Um, and it wasn't just a, a, a white thing. As a matter of fact, it hurts me, Glenn. It it hurts my soul to go to work every day, and I see every on on average, I see every race or nationality pretty much represented at the stockyards as a visitors. Uh, uh, But I don't see on, on, on any to any um, uh, significant degree, um, African-Americans at the stockyards. Right. I I don't, I don't, I don't hardly see them. I mean, yeah, we'll get, when we get black people coming to the stockyards on average. Okay. Um, Generally they're coming from other countries. They might be coming from Africa. They may be coming from another country. Right. Uh, And we will have some from, you know, black Americans, uh, African Americans, but there's so very few compared to the white people that are out there, compared to the uh, Hispanic um, people out there, compared to even Native Americans. But, you know, and I think the reason why that is, is because, again, you know, they're not used to they think I think if you would ask me why I think that is, I think it's because they they don't really think that that was part of our culture, part of our history. It's more so, well, that, you know, those, those are white people. <laughs> right? I, I agree so with what you. I want people to do. I agree yeah, with you. I ahead. took
0: my, my partner uh, in one of my businesses, is African American, and she had, we went to a rodeo. She had never been to a rodeo. And she was, you know, right. she she didn't know why she was going to a rodeo. She had no idea. <laughs> so, um, right. Right. so So I agree with you. I think that's part of the reason.
3: Yeah, it it, it is. And so to me, I'm I'm very very proud to be uh, both. I'm proud to be a, a drover or a cowboy, okay, and I'm also proud to be a black cowboy or a black drover, okay. Uh, because like James Brown said, <laughs> I'll say it out loud: I'm black and I'm proud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and at the same time, at the same time, God has given me a multicultural, multi-ethnic vision a philosophy on life. You know what I mean? So you can't miss me any kind of way. You know, um I mix well with, with, with every nationality um, you know, um, you know, at the same time I'm proud to represent the the, the, the black cowboy or the black grover.
0: I got some, I'll post some pictures in our show notes, too, of you with the Longhorns riding down okay. the street. I awesome. have those, so we'll, we'll post those yes, there sir. as well. But before I let you go, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you about the most important thing in your life, well, beside maybe your family, and that's Black yeah, and Coco. Tell us about Black and Coco.
3: Oh, man, oh, my God. Those <laughs> are my pride and joy, okay? Um, Coco is a horse. Uh, Coco is, is my—she's a grueler. She's a grula-colored uh, quarter horse mare. And uh, and black is is a Oregon. He's a, a solid black, cold black, Morgan uh, gelding. Oh, okay. And I've been having, I bought Coco. Watch why this. I bought Coco for, um, I got her about three years ago. I had her about three years. I, I paid $50 for that horse, <laughs> right? About three or four years ago, I paid $50 for the horse. And I I trained her, you know, I trained her really well, and I turned back around and I sold her. I sold her for $800, right? Um, And then I found out that the guy that I sold her to was neglecting her severely, right? Um, And I mean, like, really, really really neglecting her. So I I got $800, right, because I wanted him to um, let me buy her back. And he was like, well... You know, I'll sell it back to you for what, the price you, you sold it to. I'm like, okay, cool. So I got her back for eight hundred dollars, uh, and this was right at about mm, about a year ago. So I've been having my baby back, and we've been back together I've built her back up and stuff. And now me and her working together because she she's not only my she's not only my baby girl, but uh, <laughs> she's my business partner, right? And uh, <laughs> and so she's never going. She's never going. She's be never sold getting sold again, again, again is you know, she? <laughs> He's never getting sold again. That's my baby for life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so happy that uh, that you you got these two horses and they're going to start working with kids and get them out riding. I think that's yes. we need more of that. Uh, so, as you know, all over the horse world, especially in the African-American community, we, we definitely need more. Absolutely. So thank you Absolutely. for joining us today. I also want to thank Black Reigns Magazine for setting this up. It's blackreigns.com. Yeah. And if you want to see Donald, just go out any day uh, to the streets of uh, Fort Worth and you'll see him riding by. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Fort
3: Worth Stockyard. <laughs> Fort Worth Stockyard. We do twice daily cattle drives, 1130 and 4 o'clock Central Standard Time every single day. And
0: you're bring right. a lot of money because there's a lot of shopping in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you're be, Absolutely. You can't go to Fort Worth and not spend some money, that's for sure. No,
3: you're to, you to spend some money. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Donald. Appreciate it.
2: Okay, Glenn, what did you learn today?
0: I learned all about drovers. I really didn't know what a drover was, but uh, thanks to our guest, Donald, I know know everything I needed to know ever about a drover.
2: Yes, you learned about drovers, and I learned about holly boobs. <laughs> <laughs> did you
0: all ever right, look everybody. at her boobs to see why she was kicked off? Was there something wrong with them? I mean...
2: I mean, I didn't inspect them, but okay. I'm sure you could find videos of her photos of that online somewhere, but, um, <laughs> she is, uh, she's very pretty. Oh, she's very pretty. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget spay neuter and geld. And
0: don't forget we're doing a post show for auditors. We'll be back in a
2: second. You'll get it right. One of these days. We're busy days. today. I'm worn out. <laughs> A lot going on. I'm going
1: to go get a banana, wake up a little bit.